you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's beautiful Treasure Coast and bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. I'd love to hear from listeners. You can shoot me an email at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail on the vent line at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, good Monday morning. Did Daylight Savings Time sneak up on you this weekend? <laughs> it did me. I uh, I woke up and looked at my uh, smartphone, and it said that it was 5.30. And so I went ahead and, and kicked myself out of bed. And then I walked into the kitchen, and all the clocks said it was 4.30. <laughs> and I guess it just shows, uh, you know, that the smartphones have uh, displaced television and newspapers as as our sources of information now because I was totally unaware that we were about to spring forward. So um, <laughs> I instead of sleeping in, I, I lost that hour of sleep. Pat, Pat Sajak on Twitter uh, pointed out, he said, we may have lost an hour today, but we gained 24 hours on February 29th. So we're still 23 up for the year. So go back to sleep. I think I'm going to, I'm going to take back my, uh, 23 hours, uh, over, uh, the next week, try to get in some extra sleep. Well, there was a, a lot of interesting things that happened after we put the, the show to bed on uh, Friday morning. This happened over at MSNBC. But you see it as a possibility if he wants to spend a billion bucks beating this guy, he could do it. Absolutely. Um, somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. got it. Let's put it up yeah. on the screen. It, when I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads. U.S. population, $327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American $1 million One and have had lunch money left over. Dollars. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. It does, it does suggest, you know, what we're talking about here, which is there, there's too much money in politics. Um, and it makes it difficult because what we want. In- now that was MSNBC's what passes for a newsman over there, Brian Williams, sitting down with Mara Gay, who is on the editorial board of the New York Times saying that uh, because Bloomberg spent over $500 million on his election or his primary campaign and that the U.S. population is only $325 million, that he could have given every American a million dollars. I'm no math whiz, you know, but uh, one of the things I did learn in math is, is, you know, to look at an equation to see if it makes any sense. 
and even a cursory examination of this tweet that they put up on the screen for Brian Williams to read to Marigay, and then they both marveled at how Michael Bloomberg could have given every American a million dollars for what he spent on his campaign. Didn't make any sense. It was profoundly stupid, even for MSNBC. I know the standards over there at NBC aren't real high, but damn. And what's really amazing about this clip, and let me just play it for you again, because you got to really listen to it closely to, to appreciate how stupid this is. It, when I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. So he had read it in advance on social media, and it all became clear to him, he says. This was not some slip or, you know, something that uh, that he he just read off a teleprompter. He had read it and considered it before he went on air. Bloomberg spent 500 million on ads. U.S. population, 327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American one million dollars. One million dollars, he says. And I've had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's just. <laughs> Marigay, ladies and gentlemen, on the editorial board of the New York Times. So, you know, when the New York Times comes out in support of these free uh, giveaways that the Democrats are always promising, maybe we know now why they think that you can just continue to give money away without uh, without having any source for it. But like I said, this wasn't a slip. This not, not on uh, Brian Williams' parts, not on Mara Gay's part, and not on the multiple producers and graphic designers and everybody over there on the set of MSNBC that had to green light this. This is the same kind of math they use when they say that that you know taxes won't go up, even though they're promising. Uh, Medicare for all, including any foreigner that sneaks into the country. It sort of reminded me of uh, a clip from a popular movie not that long ago. I have some information that you can choose to use or not use. Up to you. Ron Burgundy will read anything that is put on that teleprompter. And when I say anything, I mean eh, me, eh. Q1. After the photo mat was destroyed, the bear scampered back into the woods. Apparently, he wasn't too happy with his color prints. <laughs> <laughs> From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> what in the name? No! Nobody talks about my city that way! Ron Burgundy's ass is grass! Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. Dump out! Dump out! Hello, Edward. Ron, I've got to fire you. Well, I've got to fire you. Bing, boom, boom. You're fired, Ed. <laughs> Do you even know what you just said? 
<gasps> oh, great Odin's raven. So this is the the really great thing about social media uh, and uh, to a lesser extent, cable TV, although they didn't say anything else about it on MSNBC or CNN. The Fox News hosts had great fun with it, and that'll continue today. But if it wasn't for social media and people passing around among themselves, this wouldn't get nearly the exposure that it deserves. You got a cable news operation that purports to bring us uh, the information that we need to make informed decisions. They can't do the most basic division even. We're not even talking about algebra or geometry here. We're just talking about basic division. If you look at a $500 million number and you you uh, divide that by $325 million, the number doesn't come out to, what what were they saying? It would be uh, about uh, one, $1.5 million uh, times. I mean, obviously. <sighs> it's going to be fun to see what uh, what Tucker Carlson does with that clip tonight. Hey, I want to remind you real quick to run on over to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop and get your banana bag oral solution to rehydrate you or keep you from becoming dehydrated. You don't want to end up in the hospital. We've got some other products over there, too, including some really uh, appropriate prepper wear. Uh, Country Boy Can Survive and Failure to Prep is Prepping to Fail. You can get other other products. Run on over there and take a look. AmericaFirstRadio.shop. You get free shipping, free free same-day shipping. So Bernie Sanders appeared on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace, and Chris basically gave... Old Bernie, a big old wet kiss, sort of, uh, sort of a cat bath, and uh, he set him up, you know, to to come back against Joe Biden's uh, latest attacks. And I can't find the clip here, but uh, basically, what he said is, uh, "Do you, uh, you know, promise to support Joe Biden if he's the candidate?" And old Bernie, oh yes, yes, I've promised to support Joe Biden. If he's the candidate and Biden has promised to support me, the only difference in that equation, and it's hard to believe that Bernie doesn't grasp this, is that Joe Biden has steadfastly refused to support Bernie's nomination if he leads in the delegate count going into Milwaukee, even though Bernie has made that pledge to Biden. So you wonder sometimes if Bernie really wants to win this thing. Is he is he there to win this, or is this just some sort of a Marxist grift he's got going on so that he can sell books and <clears throat> and uh, funnel campaign cash to his wife so they can buy yet another uh, mansion? Biden won't commit to Bernie, even though Bernie is committed to Joe and. And uh, he he's not insisting that he do so. So uh, they've they've got old Hillary Clinton up off of the bench, and they're trotting her out as sort of a surrogate to attack Bernie Sanders. 
Bernie Sanders is not able to put two and two together that this was the same establishment uh, that cheated him out of the nomination in 2016. And he had promised back in 2016 that when Hillary Clinton became the nominee, even though they had cheated Bernie out of the nomination, that he would support her. And he did. He went out on the trail and campaigned for her. And now in repayment for that, Hillary Clinton is out there on the trail uh, slamming Bernie Sanders. She appeared with Fareed Zakaria over the weekend. If Bernie Sanders is the Democratic nominee, will you campaign for him? I will support the nominee of the Democratic Party. But will you campaign for him? I don't know if he would ask me to campaign for him, Fareed, because I have no idea what he is uh, thinking about for a general election campaign. Well, well, I don't think Bernie would want Hillary to campaign for him. But even if he did, it's unlikely that she would do so when she's on record just recently on a, a documentary on her 2016 campaign, a sort of post-mortem, saying things like this. It just drove me crazy. He was in Congress for years. Years. He had one senator support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. <laughs> he was a career politician. He, had, he did not work till he was like 41, and then he got elected to something. It was all just baloney, and I feel so bad that, you know, people got sucked into well, you know, everything she said right there is perfectly true. You can't can't uh, argue with that. But, you know, the same exact thing could be said for Joe Biden. Between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, they have been in government for 87 years. 87 years, mostly spent in Biden's case in the, in the uh, U.S. Senate, but also eight years as vice president. And... Uh, what do they have to show for it? Really nothing. The, uh, Biden does have some pieces of legislation that he can put his name to, but the problem is all of those pieces of legislation were disastrous for the country, including trade deals and votes to go to war in Iraq and um, just just a a monumental record of failure. In contrast, in less than four years, Despite the determined and unprecedented opposition in establishment Washington, D.C., Trump has accomplished more than Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden have in a lifetime in politics. So I, I, uh, I, on Friday's show, I asked whether people were getting tired of hearing these gaff clips, these compilations of gaffs from old Joe Biden thinking that maybe it was getting tiresome and because it was such a steady stream of gaffes, people were getting tired of hearing it. And the overwhelming response is no, we don't get tired of it. <laughs> Keep playing them. And over the weekend, Joe Biden didn't let, didn't let us down. It's almost every day that he gives at least one gaff quite often multiples, but at least one. <laughs> and they used to say, you know, that there's no thing as bad publicity. And these, these gaffes are getting a lot of publicity on social media, but I'm not, I'm not sure that, that that old saying holds up in this case, because you can track 
Joe Biden's gaffes from the beginning of when he got into this uh, election. And they're getting worse. They're getting more frequent and they're getting more uh, disconnected from reality. And his latest one, uh, let me let me see if I can find you this one he committed over the weekend. Uh, here it is. Turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for, because we cannot get reelect. We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me. We can only reelect Donald Trump. <laughs> Do you hear that guy? Then he gets a belly laugh. Now he's a. a you would think a Biden supporter, but listen, listen right at the end after he says we can only reelect Donald Trump. Like Donald Trump. <laughs> oh man! So uh, Twitter has sprang to the defense of Joe Biden. They have uh, they have labeled this video clip um, as uh, uh, fake news, saying that it is. Uh, has been edited. Well, I guess it has been edited because it pulled the part after he said we can only elect, reelect Donald Trump. Uh, it, it cut that off where he goes back and tries to clean it up and explain himself. They're saying that's manipulated media over there on Twitter. And I mean, it, you know, it stands on its own. It's pretty obvious what he says. It's kind of humorous. There's no need or requirement of people that are pointing out that uh, Joe Biden's having a difficult time putting words together. There's no requirement that they go on and and uh, play Biden's attempts to correct his misstatements. But, you know, we've got Paul Singer, who is a avowed never-Trumper, trying to take over Twitter, and that's putting a, a lot of pressure on Jack Dorsey to try to appease the uh, angry Democrats and never-Trumpers. And so he's uh, he's finally capitulating and uh, protecting Joe Biden. Over the weekend, they, they added to their list of hateful conduct comments about age and disability. This was right before they then uh, labeled uh, Biden's clip manipulated media. So you would think that if they're going to add age and disability to these hateful comments, that they're going to be using that to censor any any further criticisms of Joe Biden's daily gaffathon. Here's a clip from Joe Rogan commenting on one of Biden's previous gaffes. I think the gaffe he's talking about was actually last Thursday. I can't remember the word creator. Rever- refers to God as the thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, actually, I like that more. That's no, funny. You know what? I think I have a different the take thing. on it. Let's play it because I want I want to I have a different take on it because when I listened to it, I said, oh, I know what he's doing. Which he, one do you think it is? It's first the, the bottom one, the second yeah. one. He doesn't want to. Here, let's we all these truths to be self-evident. <laughs> All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Stop. Pause. You can't be president. What? Stop. Pause. Pause. Listen. We can't play any games here, folks. This is a really old man who can't talk. 
Like, this is not a joke. Like, that right now, you yeah. know the thing? Play that again. Play that again. This should get you into a mental hospital. Right. They should be like, hey, um, Joe, are you all right? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the. You know the. He thing. had three strokes while he was saying that. <laughs> the first one. What was that word? Self-evident. Is that what we he hold said? these truths to be self-evident? But yeah. it didn't even sound right. Hear it again. Listen to it. <laughs> we hold these truths to be self-evident. 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 He's drunk. <laughs> that dude's either drunk or he can't talk. We are, we are just truths to be self-evident. He shouldn't be yeah, doing I don't this. think he needs to be in a mental hospital. He's just showing signs of mental deterioration that happens happens to people his age. Now, some people, they say sharp as a tack into their 90s. That's true. And some people, myself included, start to mentally deteriorate as, as the age creeps up on them. I'm only 60, and I'm certainly not to the level that Joe Biden is, but I'm not as sharp as I used to be. But you can watch Joe Biden. He's deteriorating by the day. And if the Democrats want to elect him as president, he's going to have to, his his oratory skills are going to have to go up against great speeches in history. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. America will never be a socialist country. The torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. <laughs> you know the thing. He's talking about God there. All men are created equal by their creator with certain, certain unalienable rights. You know the thing. The creator. He couldn't think of the name of God or the creator. So, no, Joe Biden's not going to be on the list of great uh, presidential uh, orators. He's going to be more along the lines of uh, a recent clip that you may remember a couple of years ago. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps. And uh, I believe that our ed education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and... I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries <laughs> so we will be able to build up our future. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. There's a big difference there, though. You know, uh, that that clip of the South Carolina Miss Teen contestant, she wasn't, she wasn't there to impress people with her geopolitical knowledge she's there in a beauty contest and she really was quite beautiful god didn't really create her to be a geopolitician or didn't make her beautiful in order to do that at least but when you're talking about you know president of the united states you do want to be able to string together a sentence and speak coherently on the world stage i think this you know effort to nominate joe biden is is Democrats trying to get revenge for Trump. They're saying, well, if you can elect, you know, a, a harsh spoken billionaire, 
from Manhattan. We'll just we'll just come right back at you by incoherent old Joe Biden. That'll teach you. Man, I could play gaffs for hours by old Joe. They're gonna they've got a um, another debate coming up, and it's gonna be down to Joe and Bernie. Bernie and Biden, the two Bs, they're going to freeze Tulsi Gabbard off the stage and and they're going to allow old Joe and old Bernie to sit down and go at each other for two straight hours. That is going to be rich with Biden gaffes and Bernie praising Marxists. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to look at the coronavirus and other news of the day right after these messages right here on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Stick with us. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. Well, on Friday afternoon, on the day that people like to drop news that they don't want anybody to notice, Tom Perez over at the Democrat National Committee announced updated rules for the Democrat primary debates. And this one was carefully crafted essentially to eliminate Tulsi Gabbard being able to participate. The debate is scheduled for March 15th. It's going to be another one of these CNN Univision debates. And after all week telling us what a tragedy it is that uh, Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar had to drop out and that uh, it was not fair that women were being sidelined, Tom Perez came out on Friday afternoon and changed the rules to sideline the sole remaining woman in the Democrats' primaries. They say now, according to these new rules, that every candidate must have earned at least 20% of the pledge delegates allotted up until that point. Of course, that eliminates Gabbard, who has just one delegate, but prior to that, one delegate would have been enough to get her on the stage. And all this is very reminiscent of when they eliminated all of the POCs, the people of color, white people don't have any color, you see, but they eliminated all of the people of color uh, under their previous primary rules that said 
that you had to have a certain amount of individual contributions and a certain percentage of popular support according to three polls. And then they turned right around and they canceled those requirements in order to allow Michael Bloomberg to buy his way onto the stage. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, you, you wonder why the woke base of the Democrat Party who claims, you know, that they're all about diversity and gender inclusion and money out of politics just sits there and allows this to go on without any, any pushback on MSNBC or CNN or the New York times or the Washington post, the Democrat national committee, just like we learned in the WikiLeaks that had engineered the process in 2016 are doing it again. And they're doing it for the express purpose of eliminating Bernie Sanders and his Bernie bro supporters. Not that they particularly oppose his prescriptions. Joe Biden has come out with most of the same policies that Bernie is advocating free this and free that. The problem with Bernie is he repeatedly can't help himself from praising communist dictatorships. So they've got uh, about two more debates. All of them have been held on these friendly confines uh, outside of Fox News. And uh, they've they've run poor Gabby off the stage. Despite the fact that she is a woman of color, the very person that they have repeatedly told us that they're all about. And that hateful Donald Trump is a racist and a sexist. Mm-mm. So, you know, one of the big stories last week is a uh, little Chucky e. Schumer uh, going in front of the Supreme Court and threatening judges Kavanaugh and Gorsuch if they didn't decide a case they were hearing before the court at that time, threatening them with violence or at least raising the specter of violence, what has been less commented upon is the fact that what um, what Schumer did is expressly against the law. Even the Bar Association uh, pointed out um, this is a this is a, a quote from a guy named Guy Lewis, a guy named Guy Lewis a former United States attorney in Miami who went on Harris Faulkner's show and said, look, the American Bar Association is no friend of the Republican Party. I got to tell you, and Schumer is kind of backtracking. We've heard uh, today, I think it's a day late and a dollar short. As a young prosecutor down here in Miami, I actually prosecuted, put someone in jail for about three years because they were under similar uh, circumstance where they threatened a federal judge that had a case pending before her. This is not bad judgment. This may very well be criminal. 18 U.S. Code Section 115 specifically states, with intent to impede 
evade or interfere with such an official judge or law enforcement officer while engaged in the performance of their official duties or with the intent to retaliate against such an official judge or law enforcement officer. A threat made in violation of this section shall be punished by a fine under this title or imprisonment, not more than 10 years or both, except that the imprisonment of a threatened assault shall not exceed six years. So you remember the clip. I'm not going to play it for you again, but he says, if you decide these cases wrong, you will not know what hit you. You have unleashed the whirlwind. You know who else is uh, out on the campaign trail breaking the law? Joe Biden. Joe Biden's busy promising these uh, other candidates that if they'll drop out and uh, throw their support behind him, that he'll give them places in the new administration. 18 U.S. Code 599, the title of which is Promise of Appointment by Candidate says whoever being a candidate directly or indirectly promises or pledges the appointment or the use of his influence or support for the appointment of any person to any public or private position or of employment for the purpose of procuring the support of his candidacy shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year. If the violation was willful, which was the case in uh, Beto O'Rourke, they shall be fined in prison not more than two years. And both of those statutes bring a heavy fine as well. So, I mean, does anybody really doubt that when Joe went to Texas, that he promised Beto O'Rourke that he was going to put him in charge of gun control if he would support him? Let's take a walk down memory lane. Are you with Joe? Ladies and gentlemen, el próximo presidente de los Estados Unidos, Joe Biden. Let's do it for Joe. I want to make something clear. I'm going to guarantee you this is not the last year seen of this guy. You're going to take care of the gun problem with me. You're going to be the one that leads this effort. I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you. We need you badly. The state needs you. The country needs you. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess, you know, it's not unusual for politicians to promise these jobs in, in return for support, but it's a law on the books. It's illegal to do that. And Joe Biden has been making a, uh, a habit of it now. With regard to Schumer's threats to the Supreme Court, uh, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri has uh, put forward a resolution of censure against crying Chuck. And it's only got about 15 or 16 co-signers so far. I don't know why every Republican Senator is not a co-signer of this legislation. They could, you know, I guess the Democrats could filibuster it, but they ought to be at least required to stand up on the floor and do that. They ought not to be just allowed to, uh, to wiggle off the hook without taking a stand against overt threats by a U.S. senator to Supreme Court justices in an effort to try to influence their decisions. Here's Josh Hawley appearing on Fox. 
Uh, it is absolutely a double standard. But listen, I mean, what, what Schumer did is in, in no way was he talking about Republicans generally like he's tried to claim. He named Kavanaugh and Gorsuch personally, directly. He said, if you continue with these rulings, then you won't know what hits you. I mean, that's a, that is a personal threat. It's like the Chief Justice said, that's and a direct threat. Totally inappropriate. He didn't apologize. Right, what I, he basically wanna... said was, I'm sorry if you were offended. Well, I didn't hear any apology. I kept I kept reading that Schumer had apologized, but I kept listening to his speech, and I never heard the wor- words "I'm sorry" or "I apologize" in there. He said that that's not what he meant to say. That he's from Brooklyn, and that's just how we talk. But I never heard him say "I I, I apologize" or "I retract the statement." He just meant he he just said, "Oh, y'all y- y'all misinterpreted what I said." So one of the uh, one of the things that I was trying to communicate last week was how these Super Tuesday primaries illustrated how strong uh, Trump was going into the uh, general election because he was turning he was running up these huge numbers in the Republican primary in these Super Tuesday states even though he faced no um, no opposition. Trump won the Texas primary with uh, over almost 95% of the vote. In 2004, the last incumbent Republican that ran for re-election was George W. Bush, a former governor of Texas. He won the Texas primary at the time by 92%. Um, percent. But the, the real issue, which is less than Trump did, but the real issue is Republicans uh, turned out in these uncontested primaries, both for Bush and Trump. Trump turned out over 2 million Republican voters, even though he was unopposed. And that is almost as much as all of the Democrats uh, in in their primary, even though they had a hotly contested primary. Just uh, just about sixty thousand less. So I mean, he did this. Trump did in state after state of those fourteen states in Super Tuesday. Turned out big numbers for an uncontested primary. And you you match this with these huge crowds that Trump's turning out at these rallies, and you you can see that the. Uh, Democrat base is raring to go and anxious to vote and ready to turn out big numbers. They're trying their best to uh, weaponize this coronavirus against the Trump campaign. They think that that is their big savior, that that's going to be the thing that allows them to drag incoherent Joe over the line. And uh, this was a guest appearing with Chuck Todd over the weekend Uh, saying that the coronavirus is just like Jimmy Carter's hostage crisis. Matt, you and I were talking about, and we were talking about just before the break, what the Iran hostage crisis was the final year of Carter's presidency. Not his fault, but it's it's a test in real time. And this is what this is, seems to be. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing. It's what you guys are talking about, right? It's one thing when all the Republicans in Washington say, hey, he says some crazy stuff on tax policy or this or that, but we, we've got it handled. It's a different thing when the president is out there 
leading publicly in a crisis like this and people are, are seeing it in real time, taking their cues from it. There is, you know, there is a certain capacity for chaos in American voters. They don't like chaos. They don't like uncertainty. The markets don't like it. The voters don't like it. We don't like it in our daily lives. I'm frankly surprised that the exhaustion from that chaos has been as slow in coming as it has in the mm-hmm. American public. But this does hold the potential, if yep. it goes badly, to become a kind of Jimmy Carter-like scenario where the public just says, can't wake up with this anxiety every day. We've got to have some kind of leadership. So, so here is the difference between Jimmy Carter's hostage crisis and this administration's response to the coronavirus. Jimmy Carter didn't do anything. Jimmy Carter sat on his hands. The whole time these hostages were were being held in Tehran, he mounted at the urging of his generals a rescue campaign early on. I was actually a part of that operation. And then as soon as there were complications, and there are complications in every military operation, in this case, a helicopter went down uh, because uh, its its engines got uh, sucked up too much sand, and they aborted. Jimmy on Jimmy Carter's orders, the whole operation. Now that operation had several plan B's and had all of the scenarios worked out, but Jimmy Carter lost his nerve and pulled the plug and then sat on his hands for the rest of the time until of course the hostages were released. I think it was on the very first day of Reagan's presidency because Reagan had said going in, if, uh, if I become president, I am going to take action, military action against Iran for holding these hostages. And the Iranians wanted no part of that. But Chuck Todd and his guests are over there trying to claim that Donald Trump's uh, in this administration's response to the coronavirus is like the inaction that Jimmy Carter took. And it is nothing of the sort. This administration uh, has been acting before the coronavirus was even on uh, the the radar screen of the mainstream media shutting down air travel from the infected regions in China for which he was called a racist. <laughs> there was a, a, a timeline uh, that somebody put together on Twitter that showed all of the uh, contradicting statements that the media had made in their attempts to, to try to, uh, you know, find fault in the administration's response. First, they said it was racist to close the borders, and they claimed he didn't close the the border to uh, China early enough. They said he didn't get too much information out there. Uh, They said he didn't get enough information out there, and now they're saying he's getting too much information out there. What they're doing, and it's quite obvious if you watch them, is they're cultivating a panic, a corona panic. And it's been very successful at uh, freaking the stock market out. There was an article that appeared. Where did this article appear? Um, Oh, it was uh, this Denver councilwoman. I don't know if you've seen her. Candy DeBaca. She's uh, um, touting the spread of the coronavirus in order to kill off old white people. She said in a column... Coronavirus may trigger a new industrial revolution. I'm sorry, this uh, this article is actually written by a fellow named Ed Conway and appeared in the uh, the Denver newspaper. Don't take this the wrong way, but if you were you are a young hardline environmentalist looking for the ultimate weapon against climate change, 
You could hardly design anything better than the coronavirus. Yes, he wrote that, and the Denver Post published it. Unbelievable. Conway also touted the economy as being on lockdown, which he said would reduce the amount of greenhouse gases. Conway is the economics editor for Sky News, a company owned by Rupert Murdoch. I mean, you really can't uh, put words to how demented leftists are. They're actually rooting for the coronavirus in order to beat Trump and and kill off people who oppose the climate change hoax. North Korea has an entirely different method of dealing with the coronavirus. <laughs> they have executed the the uh the first patient by firing squad. For weeks, the outside world has speculated about the severity of the coronavirus outbreak in North Korea. The entire time, North Korea has persisted in insisting they don't have a coronavirus problem. Now, the IB Times, International Business Times, a shady English-language news website with a reputation of occasionally scooping its more cautious competitors, is reporting that Kim Jong-un ordered the execution of the country's first coronavirus patient. (laughs) I guess that's what you call permanent quarantine. So you've probably uh, know by now that Turkey is trying to once again weaponize uh, the refugee crisis and flood Europe with um, Muslim refugees in order to blackmail Europe into providing arms and and uh, and forces in Turkey's ongoing battle with Syria. Last week, I think 33 Turkish soldiers were killed by Syrian and Russian forces that were um, uh, resisting a deeper incursion into Syria by Turkish forces. And that prompted Turkey's President Erdogan to release the hounds. He started busing um, Muslim migrants that were living in refugee camps in Turkey to the Greek border. And now he's providing them with uh, wire cutters so that they can breach the fence. And he's having Turkish police forces to use drones over Greek Greece in order to uh, coordinate the refugees' incursions. And one thing that's happened is uh, since the 2000 and I guess it was 2015 refugee crisis is the people of Greece <laughs> have, have changed their view of all of this. Back then, the EU wasn't defending its borders and they were allowing these Muslim migrants to uh, just walk right in, but they weren't stopping in Greece. They were just heading right on to Germany where the more generous welfare benefits were available to them. But now the, the other European countries that border Greece have closed their borders and forced 
the uh, the refugees to apply for asylum at the first European country they settled in, and so Greece has become a giant refugee camp. And the city of Athens has just about been destroyed as far as a tourist attraction because of this. So Greece uh, has has decided finally to defend its borders, the exterior borders of the European Union. And now farmers and retired people are, are, are assisting in the effort. They're taking up the cause, former, forming uh, their own militia groups to defend their nation's border. It's a, uh, it's a long and meandering border with Turkey, and it's got uh, also very many islands, Greek islands, in the Mediterranean Sea between Greece and Turkey where um, these refugees are setting out on rafts. The frustration, this, uh, this is an article uh, from a, uh, a Greek paper, the frustration is palpable in the situation different from five years ago. This time around, Turkey, itself home to three million Syrian refugees, has opened the gates to hundreds of thousands of migrants to enter Greece as it tries to pressure Europe to help in the conflict with Syria. Unlike 2015, this crisis feels less spontaneous and more manufactured, and Greeks want no more of it. Greek government has responded by resisting the invasion, shutting down borders, deploying the army, and drumming up a wartime rhetoric against Turkey. Mm, where is this? Uh, when Styrians started coming five years ago, we gave them clothes, we cooked for them, we bounced their babies, said a woman. Where more than 15,000 migrants were hosted in facilities. Five years of solidarity, we can't take it anymore, we want our lives back. Well, this was all perfectly predictable, but they didn't resist. And now uh, Turkey is weaponizing another refugee crisis in order to flood the European Union. So over the weekend, the Washington Post ran another one of these uh, stories about how they, they demand accountability for the Saudi Arabian killing of Agman Khashoggi, the the fake uh, opinion columnist that was really a shill for the Muslim Brotherhood. And this is a drum that the Washington Post, where Khashoggi wrote, has been beating incessantly since his assassination by the prince of Saudi Arabia. And once again, I have to point out that there there's another political killing that the Washington Post has no interest in exploring whatsoever, and that is, of course the murder of Seth Rich. So the Washington Post and their, uh, their, their partner, the New York Times, are still demanding accountability for the killing of Khashoggi, but they won't allow a word to be published in either of those papers about the lack of any sort of proper investigation or curiosity even in the media about the murder of Seth Rich who's widely believed to be the real source of uh, WikiLeaks publication of the DNC emails. You wonder sometimes if, if the Seth Rich murder will ever be properly investigated. 
there are some journalists out there attempting to write about it, but whenever they do, the family of Seth Rich, which has been totally um, dragooned by Democrat National Committee crisis managers, threatens to sue them. You can't talk truth about the murder of Seth Rich, who was murdered in the middle of the night, and the local police quickly said it was a botched mugging. But despite the fact that there are thousands of surveillance cameras on the streets of Washington, D.C., probably with the exception of New York City, the most uh, video surveillance of any big city, none of it was caught on tape. And of course, we know that despite the fact that they're calling it a mugging, none of Seth Rich's valuables were taken. It was, in a word, an assassination, had every indication of assassination. As a matter of fact, one of the big colleges, I think it was an Ivy League college, had their criminology or yeah, their criminology department do a study on it. And they said far from being having the markers of a mugging, it had all of the indications of a, an assassination. Not allowed to talk about it. So buckle up. It's going to be another wild ride on Wall Street this week. Over the weekend, the futures index triggered trading curbs because the price of crude oil fell by more than 30%, and that caused bond yields to crash. And they're, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, attributing this to the coronavirus. S&P 500 futures dropped by more than five points in overnight trading, triggering these automatic trading curbs that kick in when a price falls below 5% of the closing price on the Friday index. So when the market opens at 9.30 uh, this morning, you can fully expect that uh, that there will be another um, another sharp decline in the market. The last time trading fit, uh, futures hit overnight limit was in 2016. But the market did recover pretty quickly after that, and we got to hope for the same here. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here for another edition of your news behind the news, the story behind the story tomorrow, right here on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.